The Daily Rios for Friday, February 8th, 2013. I bet you thought I forgot, didn't you? It's the last episode of the week, and I have some Marvel Now reviews tonight. New number ones that I've been putting off on, until I got a chance to actually sit down and read the damn things. And with it being Friday, and my pretty girl works all day tomorrow, I decided to stay home, hiding from Nemo, and just read some comics and hang out for a day or two. So, Marvel Now Reviews it is. By the way, if you haven't heard the explanation of why I spell reviews, are apostrophe views, it's because they are my views, Rios's views, are apostrophe views. Get it? Right? They belong to me. Reviews. Aren't I clever? Anyway, uh, four new number ones since the last review I did, which was Superior Spider-Man number one. Going back to January 16th, uh, with Savage Wolverine number one, and then January 23rd for Uncanny X-Force number one, which was a few weeks late, actually. Also Young Avengers that same week. And then this week, February 6th, with Fearless Defenders number one. Those are the issues I'm covering today. Some of the other titles that have been going on for a while are starting to wrap up their individual story arcs, so there might be some discussion on those at, at a later date. Um, if I feel they're worth talking about, others probably not so much. So, let's start with Savage Wolverine number one, and I will be talking a little in-depth about some of these issues, nothing major. Um, this is Savage Wolverine number one, this is Frank Cho's Vanity Project, Wolverine, Shadow the She-Devil, The Savage Land, Dinosaurs, it's a mashup, according to Cho, of Indiana Jones and Cthulhu, uh, a story he had kicking around for a while, mixed in with the humor that he often brings uh, from his Liberty Meadows work. So I certainly expected all of that on some level going in. You know, you get a, a pulpish cover, which is repeated on the opening text page, and then bleh, it gets... Really modern, modern coloring, modern sensibilities, nothing pulp about it at all, other than, I guess, you know, using Shanna, the she-devil, in her Tarzan loincloth. Um, all the cliches are there, it's Savage Land, it's scantily clad female lead, Neanderthals, dinosaurs, battles, whatever, and it's all given... Uh, in, in sort of like tongue-in-cheek and, and turned on its head, and I understand that, but I don't know. I didn't think this one was really for me, and I even felt as if I've seen better Frank Cho artwork. It's not bad. It's just not up to what I've seen him do in the past. Um, I'm sure someone will read this book and enjoy it, you know, if you're a Frank Cho completist, or, you know, let's face it, Shanna isn't in a lot of books, so maybe she's a character you want to read about. I don't know. Um, or maybe this is the book where, after Frank Cho gets done, uh, another creator comes on and does, like, their Wolverine story. It's a sideline character. It's a cliche story by a creator that I don't really feel the need to read. So, this title, unlike 
some of the other ones. This one's going down in one. I'm not staying for a storyline for this. I read a bunch of reviews for each of these uh, new number ones, including Savage Wolverine. So I actually pulled a few quotes uh, to see if my thinking was you know, kind of similar to what else was going on out there. And a couple quotes here. Somebody said this was a rather dull issue with some big missteps in the writing department that has helped a little bit with some good action and some terrific art. Another review said, um, flip through the art, but leave your brain at home. Uh, you know, so there were some reviews that certainly were in, in line with my thinking. And then I got to another review that said, Savage Wolverine is one of the most uniquely written comics to come out of Marvel in a while. Wow. Next up, Uncanny X-Force number one by Sam Humphreys and Ron Garney. I didn't look it up, but I don't think I've read anything by Sam Humphreys before. Not that that's a prerequisite or anything. So, Uncanny X-Force, uh, because of how much I appreciated the previous Rick Remender volume, this certainly has an uphill battle to win me over. And with one issue, it still needs to do a lot more work. Humphreys has said in an interview... Uh, that thanks to a strong tradition of formidable creators, Uncanny X-Force is a book with a unique identity. Dark, dirty, morally sticky, edgy, bloody, sexy. I wouldn't have it any other way. I feel right at home. I felt the issue was light on all of that, especially comparing it to the first issue of Rick Remender's run, which is absolutely allowable, considering that Marvel's been the one to say that this book directly cuts from the same cloth as as the Uncanny X-Force title before it. Not just this book, this book and Cable and X-Force as well. You know, they took Rick Remender and Jerome Pena's Uncanny X-Force and all their other artists, divided it, and those two books still are not up to par with one page of the original run. This story, I don't Psylocke and Storm get drawn to L.A. because of an email from Puck of Alpha Flight, because Spiral, an old longshot villain, is up to no good in L.A. Then there's an interlude where Bishop shows up, and then there's a scene at the end with Phantom X and the female Phantom X version cluster. And that, that's kind of all that really happened. Like, just that. It's, it's kind of sad. Um, the art, I'm not normally a Ron Garney admirer, but I did like the art for the most part. Some things were a little lost in translation and the storytelling, but Psylocke's ship design I thought was really cool, and Storm looks like Storm, so, I don't know, maybe I just needed something positive to say about the issue. <laughs> I mean, like Spiral, I, I actually like Spiral, and as I'm used to her, as I've read her, She's gleefully sadistic, and in this issue, she came across super whiny and lame. Blech. I read some other reviews for this issue as well. Um, uh, a couple comments here. Uh, one says, It's possible this book simply isn't bearing its fangs just yet, but with a legacy like the one this title has, it should probably start sooner instead of later. I do agree with that. Uh, another writer wrote, This story is aimless, the coloring work is confusing and distracting from the plot itself, and when everyone is this angry at everything, it never really goes that well. With future issues, this may change, but thus far, this roster of Uncanny X-Force is more farce 
than anything. Ouch. Um, and of all people to give this a super wonderful review, Chris Sims is just about jizzed in his pants over this issue, which I just thought, I just think that's fucking weird to read that he is so into this issue for someone who loves to slam DC for what he calls mediocrity. It's like, wow, your bias is shown through. You know, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, yeah, so that's Uncanny X-Force. Hi, I'm J.K. Woodward. And I'm Daryl Taylor. And together, together we are... <laughs> Hi, I'm J.K. Woodward. And I'm Daryl Taylor. And together... What? I'm J.K. Woodward. And I have erectile dysfunction. <laughs> Hi, I'm J.K. Woodward. And J.K. Woodward is a c You motherfucker, that was perfect until you came up. And together, we're happy hour. Where the fuck were you? Oh, for fuck's sake. We haven't said anything about the podcast. <laughs> it's us. What do you mean? What you... And Tiki's happy hour. We're stupid so you don't have to be. Wait, say, say that again? We're stupid so you don't have to be. That's it. What? That's it. That's it. What is that? That's a commercial. Tiki's happy hour. We're stupid so you don't have to be. Are <laughs> serious? I think the bourbon is getting to you. Weekly and Mondays. <laughs> JK's Happy Hour can be found on iTunes and the thetaylornetwork.wordpress.com. Fuck it, we suck. Why are we doing this? <laughs> okay, two more. Let's switch and start with this week's issue of Fearless Defenders by Cullen Bunn and Will Sliney. This features Misty Knight, Valkyrie, eventually Danny Moonstar will show up. It's very obviously Marvel's Birds of Prey. In fact, Cullen Bunn stated in an interview and said, Fearless Defenders will chronicle the adventures of the female heroes of the Marvel Universe. There will be a central team of characters that will form over time, but the cast will rotate to some degree from arc to arc. This will be a team like none other in Marvel now. That's what he said. Um, honestly, I zoned out as I was reading this. It's a setup issue. It introduces the characters, their powers, the situation of Asgardian proportions, a crisis, and a cliffhanger. It felt very very 80s-ish, very all ages. Uh, I mean, if a lesbian kisses all ages, I guess. I'll let you discover on your own how that happened. Uh, but I just felt it was very generic and very mediocre. Uh, not a horrible comic, not a great comic, not a bad comic. Um, unlike, say... The way I felt with Red She-Hulk or the first issue of Journey into Mystery, uh, this issue just wasn't anything that grabbed me enough to warrant to come back, thinking maybe there might be something in a, in a subsequent issue. So this is another one that I think I don't I don't think I'll give it much more beyond just this first issue. That's a shame. Uh, so that brings us to Young Avengers number one: Karen Gillan, Jamie McKelvey, and Mike Norton. Now this. I thought for sure I was going to love this. I thought for sure I was going to groove on this. I liked Phonogram, which is uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey, which is a book they worked on before. I liked the Young Avengers concept. I felt that this was probably going to have a really interesting voice that I could follow. And I came away from this issue thinking, did I miss two other issues before this? How is this a first issue? 
I wrote on Twitter, and, and I know that's kind of cheating, because I, you know, it's like giving a little review before I actually do a review. I wrote on Twitter, I said, I don't need my comics to be new reader-friendly. Not at all. But this issue makes way too many assumptions on the reader. You know, outside of the typical typical information you should get out of a first issue, you know, like names and character interactions, maybe even a little bit of history of what came right before, this issue, like, the rest, what really, what we really need as readers, it's like nowhere to be found. I mean, these characters obviously existed before this issue, but yet they're written with the assumption that we're up to date on all that stuff, and you know what? No, I'm not. I really am not. Loki Loki is still a kid. I thought I thought he had reverted. Who is the girl that is going after Loki? Why is she going after Loki? How did she know he was there? How did Hulkling know that he was on the roof? Uh, Novar's personality is really different than what I'm used to. Why are Kate Bishop and Novar, Novar hooking up? You know, I understand that these things might need to play out in upcoming issues, but writing this issue as if these things matter then you got to give me a little more help, you know? I mean, it's not a bad issue, obviously. I've read enough reviews to know enough people are sucking at the teat of this book. I get it. But take a page from Chris Claremont, you know, and just give me a little bit more help. I'd even take a previously page. If they wanted to just fill out all that information in a, in a previously page, great. I would have accepted that. Because if there was ever a comic that needed one of those, that this was it. I just... I really felt like this was not a number one issue. Like, this was number three. That wasn't good. And I guess we're all okay with Kate Bishop banging someone whose name she doesn't really know, right? Because that was the opening scene of this, right? I guess we're okay with that. I mean, didn't we just spend two fucking years yelling about the same thing because that's what Starfire did, you know? But I guess this is okay with Kate Bishop. Fucking hypocrites. Anyway, um... I, I'll probably keep reading this. It, it there's there's obviously something going on there. I thought there were a couple pages that were really interesting. Um, the the one where the scrolls attack wherever it is, Kate Bishop and Novar are. Um, it's all broken up into these little panels and these little slogans and these things that Kate Bishop is saying, and you you can read it all mixed into one, and they and they do it again later on in the book. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, there's there's obviously a pulse to this. They're, they're, you know, trying to make a comic feel like music. I get that. But, um, yeah, uh, not a strong recommendation for a number one. Um, we'll see where the rest of the storyline goes. All right, so that's it. Marvel Now reviews. What's coming out? Uh, we have what? Brian Wood's X-Men coming up. We have uh, Paul Cornell and Alan Davis on Wolverine. Hopefully I'll enjoy that more than I did Savage Wolverine. Uh, Thanos Rising, The Origin of Thanos. That's not coming out for a couple months. Um, that's like under the Marvel Now branding. Uh, Secret Avengers, Nick Spencer, Spencer's Secret Avengers. That's a new title that I probably will do a review of. Um... Yeah, and I'm sure there'll probably be some other things. So let me know what you think. Peter at thedailyreels.com or leave a comment on the website. Uh, if you're anywhere in the Northeast, be safe. And uh, if you're anywhere, anywhere, be safe. It's late. It's 3.30 uh, a.m. Guess I'll go to bed. See ya. <laughs>